0: Hello and welcome to Full Contact Nerd, where we talk about fiction and storytelling in all its forms, from the weird to the fantastic, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, mysteries. Anything you can ask for, we have it. I'm Chris Alvarez, and thank you for listening. I'm speaking with Brian Herskowitz, author of From Process to Product, From Concept to Script, a practical guide for the screenwriter. And this is part of a series that we've been doing um, where you're talking about Screenwriting, and today we are working on or talking about character development, correct?
1: Exactly. Fourth chapter in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things that's true in in any kind of endeavor that has to do with with art, there's not one single path. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's no formula that allows you to go, okay, this is where I go, this is where I go. But I do feel like once you have an idea of what your story is and, and where it's headed, you have to really start to think about character because you, story and character are are like pieces of a puzzle. They fit together. Um, they both support each other. And you really can't have a great story if if the characters aren't also equally great. So mm-hmm. it's really an important step. And a lot of people, um, particularly writers who are first starting out, they tend to write in their own voice, as everyone does. Mm-hmm. but all of their characters tend to have their own rules, mm-hmm. and one of the the tricks of the craft is to be able to take a a person and make them a full, completely realized individual, and that takes some thought and some some uh, some exercises to get into
0: it. Mm-hmm. So, how do you um sort of map out your characters? You know, I guess I'm thinking of the one rule where if you can combine characters, you know, for more dramatic uh, purposes. You do that. Don't don't divide. Don't create too many characters. You know.
1: Well, I, I you know I'm not sure that that's necessarily the the, the rule that I would suggest. Okay. I mean, you, you know, you have as many characters as you need in a story. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at some of the epic, uh, look at the epic Marvel movies, mm-hmm. and how many different characters <laughs> that they have to that they have to service, and how they keep each one of those characters very true to their own um, you know, specific, unique characteristics. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really more about what you, you have to do is you have to look at who the person is, how do I make them a full person? What is it that, that goes into their makeup and how does that affect the story? So for an example, you know, the, the bigger and more important the character is in the story, the more time and energy you want to put into who they are, Um, you know, what they believe, what their life is like, what their flaws are, what what they're good at, all of those things that go into making the character who they are. As you kind of go down the cast list and get to the part where, you know, there's a guy who sells a newspaper on the corner, we don't have to know his backstory. We don't have to know about his kids. We don't have to know about his dog, you know. Mm -hmm. But something that gives him a little bit of a unique characteristic is going to make the world feel more authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what you're trying to do, is trying to build a, a character that fits in the in the universe and the world that you have, mm-hmm. and then uh, have a way of uh, kind of explaining who that person is to your audience. Mm-hmm. Because without the audience uh, interaction, there's nothing. So you want to make sure that the audience can see who the character is, understand the motivation behind the character, and go on the journey with them. hmm Really, the first thing you know you want to do is think about who is the who is the person mm-hmm. what what is what are their strengths and weaknesses what do they look like physically mm-hmm. um, what's their intellectual capacity are they are they well read are they from the street you know all of those things and and you can there's no such thing as too much research mm-hmm. on a character you may not use it all, but you want to have it there
0: How about consistency of your character I think obviously you want to make your character consistent in their actions, but really you can, you can kind of go in different directions as, as long as you justify it.
1: Yes. Motivation is, is key. And I'll give you a couple of examples. One that I felt didn't work and one that I felt did. Mm-hmm. And the one that didn't really work for me was really from a, a, a novel, um, called a uh, Hannibal, mm-hmm. which was a sequel to silence of the lambs. And one of the reasons uh, the character of Starling, who is this FBI agent, in the book, she ends up uh, ultimately falling in love with uh, Hannibal mm-hmm. and ends up uh, eventually becoming his lover. And they go off and, I guess, spend their lives together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To me, that was counterintuitive to who the character had been for all the stories and books that we've had up to this point. And you looked at it when. went you know, really, this trained FBI agent is going to be seduced by this guy and and end up having a relationship with him, really. And, mm-hmm. you know, sit there and eat a guy's brain at a table. <laughs> Spoiler alert, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, the, he's going to eat. She's going to, you know, partake of a guy's brain with Dr. Lecter and then together they'll go off and go to to the opera. I just didn't buy it. <laughs> and in fact, when they made the movie uh, of it, um, two things happened. Jodie Foster declined to do the role, to reprise her role. And uh, I think it was Julianne Moore who took over, but they changed that ending. And I suspect a couple of things happened. I think one of the things that, that turned Jodie off was this idea that you know Starling was now going to have this relationship with Dr. Lecter. And I think that they also realized they couldn't end the film that way. They couldn't end it with her going off with him. It just didn't feel right for the character. So that was an interesting choice on the writer's part. In, in Hannibal. On the other side of that, totally different story is, uh, uh, I think the film was unfaithful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's a character played by Richard Gere, who is this loving husband, really terrific guy, and he comes to suspect his wife is having an affair. And again, this is a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the film, Mm -hmm. sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow the ending for you. But, um, there's a point at which he confronts her lover. And, in the scene, he sees a snow globe, which was a gift that he had given to his wife. He picks it up and he smashes the guy in the head and kills him. Hmm. And it's so against who he is as a character. But the difference is it was completely motivated. You hmm. you understood where it came from, even though it was... Kind of out of the blue, you went. Yeah, I can see where a guy in that situation—if I was in that position—I might snap. I might pick something up and, and hit the guy who is having an affair with my wife. So, those two instances are are to me really uh, instructive in terms of, you know, how you keep a character uh, consistent and when you do something arbitrary to motivate it in such a way that the audience doesn't go. Why they they would never do that? Why would they do that? Rather than, wow, I, that was unexpected. I didn't expect them to do that, but a hundred percent, I understand
0: why. It seems that the more important thing in character development, like you can come up with all these v- various um, uh, characteristics of a of a character, but it mm-hmm. seems like foreshadowing is the more is the most important thing. You can do whatever you want as long as again, it makes sense because the audience has been cued in a sense like, oh, this person is capable of being brilliant or making a dumb mistake or.
1: You know, but even, even that, you know, you want, because one of the things that, that is always exciting in a film is when it you're, you're not ahead of it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going along with the ride and trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you can't. right? and, Being Surprising the audience, surprising your characters, surprising yourself as a writer is a really important element to keeping stories fresh and alive. And one of the things that the the foreshadowing is is true up to a point. But you also want to be able to have these moments like in in uh, Unfaithful, where you never in a million years thought this was somebody who had violence in him. He wasn't somebody who you would expect to pick up anything and hit anybody. He was just a, you know, average guy. Uh, you know father and husband loving sweet guy and this came out of uh, out of the woodwork but but you believed it because of the situation and the pressure that he was under so part of what happens is um, true character is revealed under pressure so people can say things they can do things but when push comes to shove you know the guy who says he's the the bravest of the brave when you know bullets start flying where is he does he you know does he hide or does he move forward and that tells you more about his character than anything else so it's behavior and its actions that that really define who the character is and in terms of the foreshadowing yeah you want to be able to have you know some inkling that there's an issue that's going to arise and this person's going to take care of it you don't necessarily want to know how they're going to take care of it that's part of the the craft and the joy of of surprising your audience but you do want to be able to for you as a writer to be able to say does this track mm-hmm. does it make sense as its character would do a b c and d and that that also goes around along with the logic of the of the entire universe the world that you're in mm-hmm. so if you take a look at a film like avatar mm-hmm. where you have somebody who you know starts out Um, a a flawed character. He's somebody who's had a spinal injury and he's in a wheelchair. But he's chosen for this particular job because his twin brother had done it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they think that it'll be a shorter, you know, a shortcut to getting him into the Avatar. Mm -hmm. And you also have established that he is a good military man, Mm -hmm. that he's somebody that, you know, is going to follow the rules. He's going to, you know, take orders without question, and he's going to do what he's told. And then little by little, you start to see that he questions and he starts to doubt. And then he starts to basically fall in love with, with the, the Navi and, and not just uh, with the female character, but with the entire world that he's in Mm -hmm. and starts to see that the position that the military and the American government has taken is, not tenable from his posi- from his perspective up to that point. He's a good soldier.
0: Yeah. He,
1: he decides, uh, you know, if you look at uh, uh, role playing games, mm-hmm. you know, he decides to become uh, chaotic good instead yeah. of <laughs> uh, lawful good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm speaking with Brian Herskowitz, author of process to product. You can find more information about his work at Brian if you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd, so far, please subscribe to it and rate it if you can. Please sign up for my weekly newsletter at fullcontactnerd.com or chrisalvarez.com to keep up with my latest posts. You'll also find written interviews and my social media links there. You can find the links to my other podcasts at militaryhistorypodcast.com and technologyinspace.com. Now back to the podcast so I'm also trying to figure out how how much does your plot and your setting define how you develop your character like where is the boundaries and I don't know why this movie popped in my head but like coal miner's daughter you know like Sissy Spacek's character is you know a coal miner's daughter so she can't be you know a Harvard educated you know PhD living in this community which is kind of an extreme example but at what point yeah. are you allowed to be flexible?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, part of it is what is the universe you've built? Mm-hmm. You know what? Because you know you you can you could have somebody who's you know come from the street and becomes a Harvard ed- educated you know professor, but that becomes that journey. Mm-hmm. So part of what happens is the character and the story are, are they kind of leapfrog mm-hmm. because for me. You know, my, my methodology, and we've talked about it before, is I I start with a premise and with a theme, and, and I go from premise, theme, um, and concept, and then I take it to a beat sheet and an outline. At that point, you know, I kind of know who my main character is, but not necessarily in detail. So now I've got to go into detail, and the reason I have to do that is even though I have an idea of where I'm going from A to B to C, it's the moment-to-moment life that is informed by character.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the book, one of the illustrations I, I give you is, you know, if you – and I do this because these are kind of iconic people that we all understand who they are immediately. So if you said, I've got um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's on a he's on a subway, mm-hmm. and there is a, a mugger that comes and starts to harass an old woman, what does he do? Mm-hmm. And then, by the same token, you take the exact same situation and you put Woody Allen mm-hmm. uh, in the same thing, in the same seat. And what does he do? Mm-hmm. And if the if the outcome of the scene has to be, these bullies are are you know somehow defeated and gotten rid of, the way and the method that that happens within that scene are going to be very different. Mm-hmm. Woody Allen's not going to beat anybody up. Mm. He's got to use his wiles and intelligence and humor. Mm. You know, Arnold grabs people, bangs heads together and throws them off the train. (laughs) So those are, you know, those are also extreme examples. But when I'm thinking about character and I'm thinking about, you know, what motivates them, part of the reason I'm thinking so clearly and, and specifically is, I need to know a little bit about their thought process. So when mm. when I get to a crossroad in a story where a character can turn right or turn left, two things happen. One, generally, I need them to go a certain direction. Mm. So I can't just say, "Oh, uh, you know, my character's going left if I need them to go right in order to get to the next beat of my story. Yeah. So if I have a character that doesn't, you know, doesn't work going right, that doesn't do that, I have to there's something wrong with the story or there's something wrong with the character. And I have to fix that. Yeah. I have to adjust. Mm. So they, they feed off of each other. Mm. The story feeds the character the character feeds the story. And part of what you're doing is looking at, you know, who is this person at their base and how do they move forward through time? And another great example of character and how they grow within a, a story is uh, Terminator, mm. speaking, of. Um, yeah. you know, where you have Linda Hamilton's character, who is a waitress, Mm -hmm. never been in any kind of, you know, dangerous situation. As far as we know, she's not somebody who's trained or, or has ever, you know, had any, any experience uh, fighting aliens or (laughs) foreigners or, you know, anything. So, but by the time we get to the end of the film, we a hundred percent believe that she's become a fighter. Mm -hmm. We believe that she's somebody who can protect herself. And we believe when she defeats, this Terminator that nobody else could defeat—we believe it—and mm-hmm. in fact, that carries over into the next two films, where she goes from being this kind of, you know, demure um, waitress who's, you know, got kids who are putting oatmeal in her pocket to this badass woman. And in mm-hmm. the second film, she's now trained and and built herself into a killing machine, so that she could fight against these, you know, uh, the Terminators. So. Mm-hmm that's a journey that we track and we track not only how she got there, but what, you know, what led her to those decisions? How did she do that? What was her, what was her mindset? Mm -hmm. And again, we as an audience may not know, you know, where she was born, where she went to school, what kind of, you know, classes she took, what kind of grades she had, whether she's religious or not. Mm -hmm. We may not, the writer should, Mm -hmm. because even though the audience may not know it, the writer is going to make choices based on those specific little, you know, nuances of character. Mm-hmm.
0: So considering that the film industry is so much more global now, it seems that, you know, when you write a character, it's almost there's there's a cultural importance, you know, like a character who dresses or act a certain way in one culture is going to be perceived and expected to behave in a certain way. Versus the same character being seen by like maybe a Chinese audience or a Russian audience or Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that? That's
1: put a lot more pressure on the writers, particularly now, you know, today the, the, there is a political correctness that's, you know, now kind of underpinning of, of almost everything that's coming out now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, some of it is warranted and some of it is important and some of it's necessary, but it also adds pressure. So, you know, uh, I'm actually working on a couple of different projects and one, uh, deals with native Americans. Mm-hmm. And as someone who is not a native American, I wanted to make sure that we had a consultant and somebody who was on board who could, you know, kind of talk to us about whether or not we were crossing any lines we shouldn't cross or, you know, if there was inaccuracies that needed to be fixed. And in a way, you know, in the past, uh, writers basically with impunity could write whatever they wanted to write. And mm. you could have Mickey Rooney, you know, pretending to be Japanese in a, in a movie in the, you know, in the fifties. Mm. And you can't do that anymore. Right. Um, so those kind of things and, and, you know, the broad kind of stereotypes that people associated with, whether it was native Americans or, you know, Asian people or, or anybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a real push to have authentic voices, In everything you write. Well, that's great, but most of us are a singular person. We are not, you know, we're not from multiple places. We don't have, you know, uh, the Heinz 57 variety of of countries that we are part of. We have the one experience that we have. So, Mm -hmm. where you have to go with that is you have to do your, your due diligence, you have to do research, you have to understand, you know, why and how a person behaves in that manner versus this manner and what that means to them and sometimes you know that's going to put a crimp in your creativity to a certain degree because you want to be able to basically make it up Mm -hmm. and now that's not really well accepted when you're talking about characters from a particular ethnic group religious group uh cultural group uh you know national group so Mm -hmm. you have to at least understand enough about it to be able to go okay this is how this person behaves because this is their background and this is where they're from Mm -hmm. and try and be as true to that as you can within the context of the world you're in. Mm -hmm. And that can be a problem.
0: Yeah. I've also been reading a book about sort of character, different sort of character. Um, You know, this is about crime films in the seventies in an urban setting. And it talks about the city as a character, you know, Mm -hmm. as having a, a, a presence in the film yeah. Um, in that sense, can can you talk about that at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really consider that a, as much character as it is uh, creating the world of your story. Mm-hmm. But once you've once you've had that world, and whether it is a you know a single room that the entire show you know takes part in, or a complete world, or or multiple worlds, you know, a sci-fi film where you're traveling from place to place, you know, the more uh, detailed and specific you are about your environment, that's also going to affect character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're, if your character is from an urban setting and, and is going into a rural setting, that's different. Um, and you know, example would be witness mm-hmm. where Harrison Ford is a cop from the big city and he ends up hiding out with the Amish, mm-hmm. you know, that fish-out-of-water story. And you can do the opposite as well. You know, uh, literally a fish-out-of-water story would be um, Splash, where, you know, in New York City, a mermaid appears. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things where, you know, the city becomes, or in this, the, the case of, you know, Witness, where this Amish community becomes a very much a part of the story. And it does affect and, and affect and inform the character but it's less that that is a character than it is you're creating a world where the character feels at home mm-hmm. or in the case of a fish out of water feels um, awkwardly alone and not at home. Mm-hmm. So that becomes very important to who the character is and how they're moving through time and space.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a balance there where you don't want to. Um, sort of drown the character in other elements. You want that?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, the, the kind of joke is, you know, you, you, I think every writer talks about to a certain degree, you know, the flaws that a character has Mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't necessarily want to have a character who's, you know, uh, parents used to beat him and, and now he's only got one leg and, you know, he's, he's also got Tourette's Mm -hmm. and he also has, you know, um, you know, 20 different things that are going wrong with him mm-hmm. because you do start to split focus mm-hmm. and you can, however, um, you know, find that one flaw that, that really helps to, you know, again, inform the character and inform the story. Um, there was recently a movie, I can't remember the name of it, but it'll come to me maybe. Um, and it was, uh, Ed Norton Jr. directed and wrote it mm-hmm. and started, and it was about a detective. Uh, trying to solve a mystery and the detective has Tourette's mm-hmm. and it was fascinating to watch how the Tourette's affected the character, how it interfered with the story, uh, created more obstacles for him that he had to overcome mm-hmm. and what he had to fight against to try and, you know, get through and still do the story, mm-hmm. you know, still do the, the detective work. Mm-hmm. So You don't want to overburden people either with story, uh, with with character faults and and quirks to the degree that the story becomes about that, unless the story is about that. And an example of that would be as good as it gets, Hmm. where um, you have Jack Nicholson's character who is mentally ill. Hmm. And the story is about a guy who's mentally ill and about how, um, you know, the love of a good woman uh, makes him want to be a better person. Hmm. And that's almost, that's almost a direct line from the film, but that's, okay. that's what the crux of the story is. So, you know, but he doesn't have 300 things going on. Mm. He's, he's got his OCD and he's got his mental issues and, you know, he's a famous writer mm-hmm. and that's enough. Yeah, And a correction. So he's got those three elements.
0: Yeah. So, so as you say, you can't, you don't want to have too many flaws or say personal, could characteristic obstacles for a character can a character have too many strengths to the point um, where...
1: yeah yeah you can't have too many strengths and one of the main reasons that you can have too many strengths if you have a character that is infallible um how do you put obstacles in the way how do you create conflict mm-hmm. so you know one of the great um you know examples of that is superman mm-hmm. without kryptonite superman is unstoppable and you know no story <laughs>
2: yeah So you
1: have to have you have to have something that is, um, you know, a flaw or or a perspective that a character has that's, you know, wrong or or needs to be adjusted in the world. Mm -hmm. And through the story in a in a two hour movie, that's what changes, you know, character characters move through space and time and they make small changes as they go along. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a character who suddenly becomes, you know, the opposite of what he was in the beginning without taking them on a journey and showing us exactly how they got from here to there.
0: Mm -hmm. And that seems to be like, how many steps do you need? You know, I'm not trying to make it break it down into something scientific, but how many, how many steps do you need before you can believe the character's change actually happened? You You know,
1: again, it, it depends on, on how you've built the world and the situation around them. There was no evidence in unfaithful that, that richard Gere's character was going to snap no Mm -hmm. and he just did but it's not it's not difficult to believe it because we as as an audience we put ourselves in the in the shoes of the people that we see on the screen Mm -hmm. and we go ah yeah if i was like if i was that guy Mm -hmm. i might act that way if it was me i wouldn't do it but if i was that guy i might have Mm -hmm. and as long as the audience feels that then you kind of get this idea okay uh, you know, I'm I'm along for the ride, and I, I can I can accept that change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another another big uh, kind of arc for a character is uh, a movie fairly recently is Joker, mm-hmm. where you have a guy you know such a loser and and so abused and you know so uh, such a downtrodden individual, and it's that it's that kind of uh, you know convergence of of events that happen to him. Mm-hmm. that make him suddenly turn. And and even though it's a sudden turn where he goes from being this victim to being uh, the criminal that he's going to become, mm-hmm. that change happens and we buy it because we see where he came from and we feel his angst and his his pain. Mm-hmm. And once we start to understand and commiserate, we understand why he became who he became. Mm -hmm. So that was an important origin story for Joker. Mm -hmm. Um, Much more, you know, character driven than anything that had been in the DC universe before, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And it really, you know, it really made you kind of feel for what he went through.
0: So how about the relatability of the character to the audience? Or, And let's not just talk about the main character, but even the antagonist and Mm -hmm. and the other supporting characters. You know, if they're too unrelatable, then I think... People, you know, I guess that's part of the story. You know, if yeah. they were too under, but there's that that exists that condition, yeah,
1: of course. And and you know, there are times when you know characters are are drawn with you know broad strokes, and you're kind of like, well, that's the bad guy. You know, it's, he's the bad guy, and we don't really get into you know the where and the why. You know, to me, one of the most brilliant uh, usage of a of an antagonist. In the modern era, is in the Marvel universe, uh, where you had Thanos, mm-hmm. who was this just you know destroyer of worlds. But suddenly, in the middle of the film, he starts to talk about his philosophy, and you go, wait, well, you know what? That's not all that bad." <laughs> you know, he's talking about we're we're all destroying ourselves. You know, one way to to fix that is get rid of half of everything and do it arbitrarily, so that there's no, you know it's fair everybody's Mm -hmm. getting treated the same and we're going to have much better result if if there's not quite so many people in the universe Mm -hmm. and it starts to kind of make sense what he says (laughs) and you start to think about it and say this is why he's doing this to save the universe and of course the other side of that is he's killing billions if not trillions of people Mm -hmm. um or or entities right so but they made it relatable Mm -hmm. um and I think the best villains are relatable that way, where you, you kind of understand why they why they're doing what they're doing. There, there was another film, did a very similar thing. Was the original uh, feature film of Watchmen, hmm. where the antagonist and is a hidden. He's what what we call a, an ally opponent, somebody who appears to be your friend, and then you find out, oh crap, no, he's he's the bad guy. And this is a this is a common trope. It was also in um the fugitive mm-hmm. where you know you have uh, richard kimball i think it's richard yeah dr richard kimball who is yeah. you know running for his life because his, he's accused of and convicted of murdering his wife mm-hmm. but he swears there was this one-armed man who did it and you've come to find out that this other doctor is trying to cover up something but he had been a friend throughout the entire film and it's not until the very end that we sort of go oh oh he's the guy who did it, oh oh look at him he's the and this is why he did that. And this is how he motivated it. And you start to understand. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, you bring a character who along who's a, an ally and then turns out to be the bad guy. And, and that's what happened in, in Watchmen where at the end, but you start to think about it where it's a world that's on the brink of uh, a nuclear holocaust. And by uh, getting rid of New York City, basically, mm-hmm. they've saved the world. And even though there's arguments against and pro, you kind of start to understand why that's an argument. Mm-hmm. And then as you go kind of smaller into more intimate stories, you look at movies like uh, dead man walking mm-hmm. where, you know, th- there is an, the, the central figure of the film is a nun who is anti death penalty, who is administering to people who are on death row. And then you have this character who is facing the death penalty, who may or may not be guilty of the crime he committed Mm -hmm. or was accused of committing. And we start to look at both sides of that argument, the people that are saying, you know, this is cruel and unusual. You, you know, you kill somebody and if you're wrong, you can't take it back. And the other people saying, you know, here's somebody who has taken away our children or our loved ones our, you know, our future, their future, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what do we think we should do with them? You Mm -hmm. know, how do we how do we deal with this as a society? So those questions start to come through the perspective of the characters that are that are are that we're seeing the story through. So mm-hmm. you want to have something relatable for every character. I I think you know there are very few there are very few characters that you just can't relate to at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are, you know and sometimes again when you when you're painting with a broad stroke you know initially what did we know about Darth Vader except he was, you know, Mm he wore literally the black hat, you know? Um, And later we start to find as we go back in time and we get, you know, the origin story, we understand how he came to where he is. But, you know, in the first three films, all we knew was, you know, he was a bad guy. And then eventually we knew he was Luke's father and that's about it. Yeah. You know, and, and that he was, he was, uh, you know, he was a little bit uh, torn over whether or not he should be a decent human being or not. Mm -hmm. So all of those things, you know, go toward, you know, how do you build a story and how do you build a character that makes sense? And one of the things, you know, every, every character can be, you can take the perspective of every character. You can, you can look at the world through their eyes. Um, And, you know, whether it's Hitler or Mussolini or, um, you know, the Al Qaeda, they, 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 Come from the perspective that they're right, mm-hmm. you're wrong. We're doing what is right for the people that you know are around us, and we're doing it for a a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And you know, the fact that we don't agree with it, that's our story. Mm-hmm. That's not their story. Right. And if they told the story from their perspective, we would be the bad guys. You know. Yeah. So it's really a lot. Of, a lot of it has to do with where are you coming at the story from.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm speaking with. Brian Herskowitz, author of Process to Product. You can find more information about his work at brianherskowitz.com If you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd, so far, please subscribe to it and rate it if you can. Please sign up for my weekly newsletter at fullcontactnerd.com or chrisalvarez.com to keep up with my latest posts. You'll also find written interviews and my social media links there. You can find the links to my other podcasts at militaryhistorypodcast.com and technologyinspace.com. Now back to the podcast. What about characters in a piece that aren't supposed to change or have, you know, a journey? You know, what what role do they fill? What which how do you construct that?
1: Well there there are a couple of different things. One um, there's a there's a trope called the traveling angel. Mm-hmm. And traveling angel stories are are fairly common. Um, there was an Academy Award winning film called Being There um, years ago mm-hmm. that uh, it's it's a character who travels from you know person to person, changing their lives, but he, they themselves don't change. Mm-hmm. So the character in being there is an example. Another example is Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. You know, Forrest Gump does not change. He's the same character as he was as a little boy. As he is at the very end, when he's standing at uh, at a graveside with his his son, mm-hmm. and you know he he changes in terms of the journey that he makes, but his character stays the same. Mm-hmm. But he touches people's lives as he goes along, and everybody he touches changes. So, in a traveling angel story, you have a character who's just by their presence changes everyone around them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another uh, kind of a uh, you know genre in and of itself that you can tackle,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm, I'm sure there are you know dozens of others that are that are similar mm-hmm. in terms of that trope. Yeah. But that's one way to handle it. So, but in most genres, the character goes through a change. Mm-hmm. Most genres, they 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 switch. If not, then they're changing other people.
0: Mm-hmm. So. All right, so I've, I've talked about different concepts and stuff. Let's talk about, like, the nuts and bolts of character development. When you sit yeah. down and you're like, all right, I'm developing these characters for my story, wh- wh- what do you go through? What steps?
1: First thing you do is, you know, and, and again, everybody has their own method in terms of where they come into the story. Some people start with a character and say, you know, I want to do a lead about this kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. But regardless of where you start it, and for me, it's after I kind of have an idea of I've got I know I've got a main character and what they're going to do. And then I start to think about who is that main character and part of uh, and parcel of that is uh, doing a biography on them. And you, again, you can't do too much or too little research, everything that you can know about the character that may influence the story you want to know, mainly because you want the choice. And what you don't know, you can't choose. Mm -hmm. So if you have a character, you know, who's, um, you know, uh, agoraphobic and doesn't want to go outside, you know, how is that going to be affected if they get kicked out of their house? They lose, you know, they lose their home. Now they're homeless. Mm -hmm. You know, what what do they what do they have to deal with? And then you start to also peel back the layers, you know, what you know, how do they get there? So, okay, let's talk about their their birth. Let's talk about you know, their early childhood, let's talk about their intelligence, let's talk about their education, let's talk about their upbringing, were their parents strict, were their parents religious? Um, you know, are are they uh, rebellious against their upbringing, or are they a product of their upbringing? You know, so all of those things start to go into it. And then also, you start to look at physical, you know, what is it, what physically either helps or hampers this character? Are they, you know, are they tall are they short are they heavy are they thin are they in great shape are they athletic Mm -hmm. you know do they have one leg shorter than the other you know do they have one hand that's withered Mm -hmm. what what are the physical limitations if any Mm -hmm. and then beyond that you start looking at how do they behave how do they act within a certain situation and you think about what is the what is their their outer face and their inner face what is it what is it that they present to everybody And then what do they have inside? And generally characters, uh, particularly main characters in a story, have a past that is in some way haunting them, a ghost, Mm -hmm. uh, a contextual ghost of some sort. Mm -hmm. So there's something that's, you know, in the past that that is affecting what choices they make in the present. Mm -hmm. You put all that into kind of a mixer and you start, you know, melding it together to make a character. So the first step is, you know, who is my character? what is their story? And and not the story that they're going through now, but what's brought them up to this point? Mm-hmm. And then, then you start to look at how do they behave when they're confronted with conflict? What do they mm-hmm. do? Are they somebody who takes action? Are they somebody who, you know, tends to hold back? Are they somebody who's, you know, um, goes, you know, goes calling, you know, crying wolf every time something happens? Mm-hmm. You know, who are they? And then beyond that, um, after you've done your character bio, one of the things that I like to do is I like to start working on the character voice mm. and character voice is influenced by everything that's happened in the in the bio but you'd be surprised how often people you know they do all this research on the character and they they haven't you know brought up in the south but moved to New York by the time they were seven and you know living in a complex uh, you know on the poor side of town around you know, East Twenty First Street and on and on and on. Hmm. And none of it affects the story. Hmm. So having knowledge of a character that doesn't affect the story doesn't really do you any good. You may as well not spend the time and waste the time, you know, defining all this information if it's not going to somehow inform the character's choices. So Hmm. the next thing to do is kind of look at, you know, how does the character speak? How do they how do they react? Um, you know, are they somebody who likes to talk? Are they silent? Do they, you know, are, are they, you know, like uh, Dirty Harry, kind of monosyllabic? Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, are they Woody Allen? Are they verbose? Do they just keep talking and talking and talking? And you can imagine that each one of those characters has a very different way of dealing with the universe and the world. Mm-hmm. So you look at, again, you know, building first who they are, how they react in a situation, what they're their context is meaning how were they brought up, you know, is there some secret in the past that's going to come and haunt them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the different things that, that are going to affect how they move through, through the story. Mm-hmm. And then the character voice, um, exercise, really one of the things that I, I have in the book and that I teach, uh, came from writer's boot camp, which is call, an exercise called the 2020 where you take every character and you put them in a situation, just arbitrary uh, scene. Mm-hmm. Could be in the universe of your story, but doesn't have to be. You can think outside the box. And you brainstorm: how do they, how do they interact in this situation? What do they say? How do they say it? What kind of, and you start looking at things like, you know, better educated people are going to be using different vocabulary. Um, you know, what kind of speech do they have? Is there any kind of impediment? All of the things that go into making who they are and the way that they present themselves to an audience. So, going back to, um, you know, this character with Tourette's Mm -hmm. and how fascinating it was that in the middle of these, you know, conversations, he would have ticks and shout and repeat things. And, you know, that affected everything that happened in that story. Mm
0: -hmm. So, something that you said helped me clarify my first question. I think it was my first question about not having too many characters. Um, So think in terms of, say, some of these Westerns or World War II films, Dirty Dozen or Hateful Eight (laughs) and Magnificent Seven. You know, you can't have... Or it wouldn't work if you had two characters that had the same characteristics. You know, everyone has their their thing. So as you develop all your characters, you know, at what point do you say, okay, it's okay they both have, you know, maybe this educational level, but they both can't (laughs) have... They both can't be the, the complainer, you know, or something like that. Right. Um, how do you,
1: yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And, and, you know, again, a lot of it has to do with how much, how much have you focused on who the, each individual is Mm -hmm. and what are their individual strengths and weaknesses? And, you know, uh, again, you know, I, I don't mean to put Marvel up on a pedestal, but (laughs) you know, when you go to their universe and you look at. You know, the Robert Downey Jr. character reverses Captain America. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one is this very flippant, brilliant um, scientist. And the other is, you know, is a soldier who comes from a certain kind of straight arrow way of looking at things. And they have, you know, very different ways of expressing themselves. And then you have, you know, Bruce Banner, who is a doctor, is also equally brilliant, but has a very different demeanor. Somebody who is trying to hide, you know, and and literally and both figuratively hide. So he doesn't act or react the same way that Robert Downey Jr. does. And you can go down the line with each one of their characters and talk about where they came from and then how. how, And literally, you know, they have their uniforms that each kind of, you know, delineates who they are Mm -hmm. in a certain way, because each one is a manifestation of their strength. Mm -hmm. So that's. You know, that's one of the things that's really fascinating to me about that particular universe, how well they developed the characters. Conversely, um, you know, looking at like the Justice League movies where, you know, Batman and Superman fighting each other, where you didn't really get the, the separation of the two. You didn't really get that these were, you know, as much individuality as you do in the Marvel universe. And that's simply a function of writing. Mm -hmm. That's simply a function of how clear and distinct are the characters and how well are they developed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when that in that film, there's a moment that's one of my pet peeve moments where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Superman and Batman are finally coming to blows. And, you know, one is trying to kill the other and they come to the realization that they both have a mother named Mary and therefore they're best friends. And you just want to go, what? (laughs) Excuse (laughs) me. (laughs) How did that happen? You were about to kill him, and then he said "Mary," and you said "Mary who?" And he said, "That's my mother." And he said, "My mother's name is Mary. Let me put down the kryptonite. Let me help you up. Let's be be, bad. Let's be best friends." You know, it's like, um, really? That's that's how that went. That's how that's the best you guys could do. So (laughs) for me, I I don't know what happened there. I don't know the writer. And if I do, I apologize for picking on you, but Mm. because it's not easy, none of this is easy. Right. Uh, The fact is they got that film made and it was a huge, you know, multi hundred million dollar budget. Mm. So regardless, you know, that's the difference. And the difference is how much did they think about those very issues? Who are these people? How are they the same? How are they different? You know, what is their. What is their kind of, uh, you know, pain tolerance for evil or good? And, you know, what what do they put up with and what don't they put up with? So Mm -hmm. part of what you do is as you're building, if you're doing an ensemble, really right at the beginning, you want to start thinking about and and not thinking so much about differences, Mm -hmm. because that becomes somewhat superficial. If you say, well, you know, he's left-handed, I better make him right-handed that's different than talking about, you know, what happened to this kid growing up? What's his education? What kind of training did they do? Um, You know, are they are they somebody who's knowledgeable of languages? Are they not? Uh, You know, Jason Bourne comes to mind, you know, somebody who is trained and, you know, speaks 20 different languages. Nobody knows why. And, Hmm. you know, he doesn't understand why he has these passports, and why he can suddenly kick ass at at the drop of a hat, you know, and all those things go into the mix of who that character is. Mm -hmm. And then as we learn over time, his past and it starts getting through several films, starts getting uh, Mm -hmm. more specific and deeper. We start to understand why he came to where he came, you know, what his trauma is and what his ghosts are, and why he's, why he is in the positions he's in. So Mm -hmm. all of those things, you know, are part and parcel of, of how do you develop that character. And, and when you are developing the first part, when you're starting to do your bio, that's the time when you start thinking about not differences, but unique characteristics, because that defines differences. So, you know, if I say this is a character from, you know, um, Brazil, who grew up in the rainforest, and then came to a big city to make a living, and then ended up in New Orleans, that's one character. And then I have a you know, a female doctor who went to, uh, you know, Cambridge and is British and then moved to New Orleans and they are going to have a relationship. It's already in it, the, the differences of the character, the The inherent differences are just that they're inherent. Mm-hmm. And that comes from knowing who they are at the beginning, because otherwise, yet you can you can absolutely um, reverse engineering. You can get to a point and go, these guys kind of sound alike and talk light and you know, how do I go back and kind of make them more individual? Mm-hmm. But if you know at the beginning, you know, this one's got a Cajun accent and comes from one of the poor parts of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And this one is, you know, Cambridge educated. You know that those two people are not going to bump into the same characteristic areas. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to have differences. Now, they may have commonality. Mm-hmm. You know, they m- may both be justice fighters. They mo- may mm-hmm. both be criminals. Um, you know, we don't know that's part of what you're going to discover as you build your characters and your story.
0: Mm-hmm. So you that, need, that's a, I would do. it. Yeah. It's interesting. So the commonalities, I'm just kind of thinking not out loud quite, but the commonalities seem to be that glue that explains whatever that commonality is, however deep or, or obscure it is, mm-hmm. I think gives the audience that, that, that um, what's the word I'm looking for? acceptance that, okay, these, these two characters are working their Their, their dynamic exists mm-hmm. because of this commonality, uh, maybe, you yeah. know, allied characters. Yeah. Um,
1: I'll give you a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, I started watching shameless, uh, mm-hmm. television series that's on, was on Showtime. And now I think it's on Hulu, maybe Hulu or Netflix. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, terrific series with Bill Macy and, um, I think Emmy Rossum
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is one of the leads. Uh, in her character, the The story is a single father who is just the worst. He's an alcoholic. Um, he's, you know, basically on the government dime, claiming disability that he d- doesn't really have. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got six kids, and they all have very unique, specific personalities. And in this story, this woman... Amy Rossum's character meets a young guy played by Justin Chatwin and Justin is this good looking guy drives a BMW seems to have a lot of money and he pursues her relentlessly mm-hmm. and she's not interested and she's not interested partly because of you know his seemingly different class mm-hmm. of citizen and then he tells her um, basically um, I'm a I'm a car thief. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly she likes him. So, you know, it was the fact that, you know, neither of them are straight arrows. They, you know, she's doing it because she needs to, to do it, to get along and, and make ends Mm meet. and it's his business and he's very successful at it. So, but that idea that they weren't both, you know, that there wasn't like this absolute straight arrow, clean, you know, spiffy guy that attracted her. Mm -hmm. So they have, they both have these kind of, you know, uh, negative qualities and the, and the entire show is really one of these shows where you watch it because it's all about how horrible these characters are, how, how they put themselves in just the most despicable situations. And yet they're still likable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that comes from, you know, what is their behavior that they do that makes you feel like they're likable. And, you know, one of the things that I think I've spoken about in a few of the other uh, sessions we had was uh, a book called save the cat.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, And the, the concept of save the cat is quite interesting because it does elicit a kind of a visceral emotion, emotional response from an audience. So if you have the most evil guy in the world, like Thanos takes a little girl and pats her on the head and, you know, takes her into another area while, half of the village is being slaughtered and speaks to her sweetly. We, we kind of feel for that character. We start to go, Oh, he's not such a bad guy. He's got a heart. Mm -hmm. So the person who saves the cat out of the tree, even if they're a murderer, we start to go, well, they're, they're not all bad. There's some, Mm -hmm. some redeemable, redeemable qualities about that person. So, you know, we will only as an audience, I think, put up so long for, a character that has no redemption, no hmm. redeemable qualities. Right. And, you know, we can kind of sit through it for a movie and get to the end and go, okay, that was a, that was a tragic film. And, you know, I, I don't ever have to watch that again, you know, <laughs> but, but, and, and it can still be a good movie, but we don't really uh, invest in that character unless we see them get some sort of redemption. If there's not some moment where, you know, they, they, They sacrifice, or they help, or they are kind, or their their motivation is revealed as something that we accept. So those are all things that kind of float around in terms of, you know, what what we look for in terms of how characters interact with each other. And the idea that you know characters who have a common uh, common goal and common interest they will work together. And and we but even within that we want to see a team that has very specific individual people that behave differently, act differently, even if they're going for the same goal. And again, you know, Marvel does that Mm -hmm. uh, beautifully. Um, You know, there's uh, any, any number of stories where you think about uh, like a baby driver, Mm -hmm. which is about a car thief Mm -hmm. uh, or a bank robber. And, you know, these are guys that each one has their own specific niche, Mm -hmm. you know, what they do, what they're best at and the way that they act towards each other and who's, You know, who's going to be good to whom and, and, you know, what do you do to get out and who wants to, who wants to quit and who wants to stay on and all of the stuff that goes on, but they're all going to rob a bank, Mm -hmm. all of them, you know, so they're all, that commonality is there. It's now what, what is it that makes them specific? And part of it is, again, if you talk about reverse engineering, you start to look at it and say, well, why are they robbing banks? Why does that Mm -hmm. character have to rob banks? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, is it for the thrill? Is it for the money? Is that how he's always made his living? Um, you know, is there? An, can he do nothing else? What? What is it? And then you start to look at all the circumstances that would get you to that point and that position, and those all start to feed into the character. Which is another reason that, while you build everything you can into the character at the beginning and understand who they are as well as you can, as you move through the story, you're going to find yourselves at crossroads that require a choice and a decision by the character that hasn't yet been. An, Investigated, And you have to kind of look at it and say, okay, uh, here I am at this point. um, My character can do A, B, or C. What happens if he does each one? How does that move the story forward? How does it get get me to my next moment? And you as the puppet master, as the god of your particular (laughs) universe, you have to be in control. You have to be able to say, okay, I need you to end up at the bank. But if you see a child on the side of the road and you pick her up, Do you take her to the bank with you or do you take her to, you know, her mother? What do you do? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the circumstances? How do you behave? And then you look at what would that mean for that character, specifically that human being. And the more you think of them as a full human being and you think of them as somebody that you could, you know, have a cup of coffee with or or a beer with and, you know, what conversation you would have, the better off you are because you'll be be able to make choices for them that will Absolutely be motivated and believable to the audience Mm -hmm. and motivated even the, I have a term I call motivating the arbitrary. Mm -hmm. So going back to Unfaithful, when the character picks up, you know, this snow globe and whacks this guy on the head, it is arbitrary. It's shocking. It's not something we expected, but it's motivated. We understand it and Mm -hmm. we go, ah, okay, I follow, I can follow the breadcrumbs. I understand how we got to that place Mm -hmm. and that goes back to this idea that, you know, pressure reveals true, true character.
0: Mm. So we're coming up on the hour. Are there any other concepts related to character development that we haven't touched on that you might want to mention?
1: Well, I'd like to think that we touched on everything you could possibly have (laughs) in terms of character, but probably we haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I, I think that, you know, you, there's all, you mentioned it earlier, there's a balancing act Mm -hmm. and it's always a balancing act between making a character believable and full and real and honest uh, and honest in terms of their nature. That doesn't I mean they don't lie, they don't cheat, they don't steal, but, you know, that they are who they, who we want them to be as a character. You know, all of those things are, they're always in flux and it isn't nailed down. Even if you know everything about the character, you still have to be open to inspiration. So if the character you know, gets to a place where he's, you know, suddenly if he does A, he's going to die and he does B, he's going to live and you need him to live and you know, he's got to do B. You got to figure out how am I going to get that character to do that, to make that choice in a way that makes sense for who they are. Mm-hmm. That is true to who they, you've decided they are and not, you know, counterintuitive where the audience, and this is the the key ingredient where the audience goes, why would he do that? I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. I, not a million years would that character do A, B, C, and D. And, you know, it's it's a little thing, but it pulls us out. And yeah. I'll give you an example. I watched a series called Glitch, mm-hmm. which is, I think, from New Zealand. And there was a moment in it where this crusty guy had been beaten up and tied up in a basement mm-hmm. and chained to a, to a stairwell. And they shoved a, a rag in his mouth gagged him mm-hmm. and then left and he stayed there for 48 hours. But here's the thing, Chris, they tied his hands in front of him. Mm-hmm. And the, the gag was just a rag stuffed in his mouth <laughs> for 48 hours. He sat in that place and never did this. Yeah. And I went, I don't buy this show anymore. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. You know, the characters aren't They're They're, they're making choices that I don't believe. Mm-hmm. and when that happens we stop the the suspension of disbelief and we're out of the story so you know the same thing like i said happened to me when when superman and batman came to the conclusion that they both had a mother named mary i went no yeah. not in a million years how did you get there how did you get to that place yeah. I, I don't buy it. so i have to buy where the characters come from mm-hmm. and that's really important for the audience not for not for the writer so much but the audience we we need to be able to believe is what we're watching is of a piece of a whole Mm -hmm. and with characters aren't behaving the way that we believe they should or could behave doesn't mean they can't do something wacky and out of you know out of the blue but we have to be able to go oh that's the kind of character that would do that Mm -hmm. and as long as you're being true to that i think you've got a, a real good shot at making a character that's believable to an audience
0: cool So, what's the uh, next section after this? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Let me see. Take a look Uh, at the book. So,
1: after this, let's see. We got... uh, I have to bring up my book. Yeah,
0: yeah, please. Show the cover. Uh,
1: Where am I? I I could go to the front, couldn't I? Okay, let's see. So, after character... um, Talk about the first act. Mm-hmm. And, and uh how how we move through the story in the first section of the, of the film mm-hmm. and what you do to kind of build the world the story and take what you did in the outline and start to expand on it mm-hmm. okay. that's really this is now the process of the scene work and actually starting to write
0: yeah okay cool well yeah. until next time thanks thanks for speaking with me
1: always a pleasure Chris talk to you soon
0: Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd, please subscribe and rate it if you can. If you want more fiction and fiction studies ranging from ancient mythology to modern-day sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, please sign up for my weekly newsletter at fullcontactnerd.com or chrisalvarez.com to keep up with my latest posts. On my webpage, you'll also find written interviews and links to my social media accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I also discuss art, acting, comic books, gaming, and much more. Thanks again, and keep imagining the past, the present, and the future.